So today we are talking about Volume 1 and Volume 2 of the Darth Vader comic series from 2017. It is definitely like the, the secret history of Darth Vader that it literally picks up straight after uh, that final shot of Vader and Revenge of the Sith. I'm a big fan of this art too, fam. But it's so impressive how they do so much of so little. Vader just says, like, right, if you try to kill me, you'll fail. Welcome to episode 28 of Live from Vader's Castle. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, John Lee, and I'm joined always by my co-host, Dan McQuarrie. How are you, Dan? Hello there. I'm, a, as you can probably hear, I'm a bit full of the cold at the moment, not COVID. Um, I've got the, I don't know what they're calling it at the moment, but it's the cold that every single person in the UK seems to have at the moment that isn't COVID, but seems to be causing everyone to have runny noses um, and snotty sounding voices so that's so that's that's why i'm sounding a bit nasal today i've got a bit of a cold but i'm here i'm in a good mood lots of star wars stuff to, to i've been absorbing this week so i'm ready to to chat star wars yeah nice i mean i've seen quite a few memes going around actually it's like we survived a year and a half in lockdown for covid just to be written off by a common cold the whole of the uk <laughs> it genuinely does feel like that <laughs> yeah but like everyone i speak to like either it was either last week or this week, they've got this cold, and I've sort of had it in waves. Had a, a light, a light wave of it last week, and then a slightly stronger wave of it this week. But it's a yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, speaking of interesting, what a segue! It's uh, been quite an interesting week of uh, Star Wars <laughs> comics. Actually, I've I've been enjoying the the comics that have come out this week. That's a beautiful segue. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I jumped in there. I saw the opportunity. No, I agree. I was um, yesterday was a really was a really really good comic day. I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. I won't go into spoilers because I you know it'll be a bit too quick for people who might not have read it. But I enjoyed that new Trail of Shadows, the new High Republic comic. That's pretty epic. And then I, I really liked the conclusion to uh, War of the Bounty Hunters as well. Um, Doctor Aphra was pretty cool. Yeah, it's all just. The comics are doing good at the moment. I'm liking it. It's interesting to see where it's all going to head in the future, but continues to have my interest. Yeah, I mean, I read that High Republic one last night. <clears throat> I haven't had a chance to read all the bounty answers. I was so close to buying it on um, Comicsology last night, but I was like, oh, I've already bought it from the comic shop. It's in the post. It might even be here now, and I haven't actually just checked the, the mailbox at the front of my house, and it might actually be sitting there. Um, so if it is, I'll read it after this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's nice as a little conclusion to wrap up. I'm expecting good things. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really did enjoy, didn't actually enjoy that high public one. I was a bit on the fence about it until I dived in. So yeah, we won't get spoilers, but it's a good read for those who anyone is interested. I'd recommend go go spend that three pound. I don't know seventy five, however much it was. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a, it acts as a good little sequel to the Rising Storm. So if there's Anyone out there who has read The Rising Storm and is big into the High Republic like we are, it's worth, it's, it's our little recommendation of the week, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right, I'd recommend, off you go, go buy it now. Go right now. I also um, also had some uh, some Lego delivered today. I know that you had some delivered yesterday, but I, uh, I built my Lego Obi-Wan Kenobi's hut this evening. When I got back from a busy day at work, just the nice therapeutic relaxation that I needed. Um, so that's standing proud on my shelf 
my Obi-Wan and my Luke Skywalker. I've got a little Tuscan Raider with a gaffy stick as well. It's a nice little set, actually. I'm, I'm quite happy with it. Yeah, nice. I mean, I, I built my uh, my Boba Fett Slave 1 uh, set last night, um, which is proudly set on my shelf. I need to rearrange my Star Wars Lego a bit better so it, it looks a bit more presentable. But at the moment, yeah, it's just set up there. A photo will be up later on uh, the Vader's Castle Instagram page, so check that out. Yeah, I've, I've got, like, I'm starting to get quite a collection here that I haven't reported back on. So I think I might get my full-on filmmaker's camera out and just like make a little <laughs> like a little clip, just edit together <laughs> some like intense close-up shots of all these like nice Lego sets that I've now got on display. Because I'm quite proud of my little collection actually. It's looking good. Yeah. Nice. Should we should we dive into this week's this week's topic of conversation? Yeah, let's go for it. So we thought what we do, probably next week as well, over the over the next two weeks, um, is we would explore the 2017 comic run Darth Vader, which was um, written by Charles Soule, um, who's an author that we go on a lot about over here. But we thought it, it was about time that we actually, you know, in in much of the similar ways that we do our book reviews, where we just sort of spend the whole episode diving in and just discussing everything. We thought we'd do it about the Darth Vader comic series from 2017. We're going to break it into two parts. Um, So today we are talking about volume one and volume two of that series. And sort of this series, I like to call in my head, like the secret history of Darth Vader. This is like what happened to him immediately after Revenge of the Sith ended. And it sort of goes on for quite a few years. Um, This particular first two volumes that we've got, happens quite quickly after Revenge of the Sith. Um, so that's what we're going to be diving into today. This this nice chapter, well, probably not nice isn't the right word, this horrific chapter in Darth Vader's history, um, that being issues 1 to 12, I think in total it's volume 1 and 2 of the trade paperbacks, issue 1 to 12 of uh, Darth Vader by Charles Soule. Are you excited to, to dive into this, John? Yeah, I am. I mean, as you mentioned, Charles Soule is a is a name we've mentioned quite a few times on this podcast because uh, in Charles Soule we trust a fantastic Star Wars writer who's uh, he's had his fingers in Darth Vader, you know, War of the Bounty Hunters. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing a lot of other things that he's been in uh, the New High Republic stuff. <clears throat> I feel like anything he touches is just pure gold. Yeah, he's he's uh, writing the actual Star Wars comic at the moment as well, which has been really fantastic. Um, Started off with Lando as well. That's where he originated Poe Dameron as well. Oh, he's done some great stuff. Yeah, I mean, this Star Wars, uh, this Darth Vader run of his, I think, I think I've read it about four or five times. Um, just because I just enjoy going back to it every now and again, just rereading it and appreciating the, the as you say, it's definitely like the, the secret history of Darth Vader that it literally picks up straight after uh, that final shot of Vader in Revenge of the Sith. Um, so it's, it covers exactly what we've all been waiting for all these years. Uh, as soon as that film ended, like the, the the true story of how you know he becomes like the living legend across the galaxy of as Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah, and it's um it's it's a really interesting story. There's a lot of stuff that you sort of there answers big questions that needed to be answered, like how he got his red lightsaber. Um, further on in the series, how he got his castle the castle that me and John are a big fan of. 
um, and how the Inquisitors came about. What other Jedi did he need to deal with post-Order 66? This series really explores a lot of really interesting stuff. And we thought it about time that we dived into it on the podcast. So what we're going to do today is we're going to sort of break down sort of the lore, the story of volumes one and two, and then sort of give a bit of our review and thoughts on those as well. And then next week we'll come back and do volumes three and four, which end end up being like issue 13 through to 25, I think. Um, But we'll start off here today with... Um, volume one, which is called Imperial Machine, and this is issues one through six of this series, which obviously, as we said, started in 2017. This sort of first volume sees Vader <clears throat> immediately after Revenge of the Sith, and he is really set a task by Darth Sidious or Emperor Palpatine to find a Jedi to kill so that he can still their lightsaber, bleed their kyber crystal and get his own bright red Sith lightsaber. So that's essentially the overarching story of these first six issues. And before we sort of dive into it, sort of a little bit like issue by issue, what what actually happened and um, what our thoughts on some of the more specific story beats are, I'll just throw it over to you, John. What's your overall thoughts on these these first six issues? These six issues are fantastic. Uh, I mean, we'll get into it in a bit, better, in a, <clears throat> in a bit, um, in a bit of time. But I think this is such a strong opener for like the comic series, which I think is always key writing a comic. You know, I've been reading comics for however many years, I don't know, since I was like eight. You know, and the first few issues are always the ones that you need to nail on the head to you know engage the readers like anything. You know, the first few chapters of a book, the first half an hour of film, or whatever. Um, and I think. Charles Soule really jumps in in the deep end here and is like, he goes straight into what, you know, the, the questions we need answering is in like, you know, how Vader got his lightsaber, <clears throat> you know, and he goes straight in like a big battle with Jedi, which is, we'll get into in a minute. And I think it's, it was such a great opening for the, for the series. Um, and I think it did a really good job. The writing did a really good job of really showcasing, I think the art, I think, it, it's really good when a comic writer and a comic artist like work, work really well together. And I think Charles Soule and oh, the artist's name, I think it's like Giuseppe uh, something. Let me see. Yeah, I've got Ca- it. Camelo? Giuseppe Camancholi. Camancholi, yeah. yeah. I mean, he is a fantastic artist. He's, I think he's been working on uh, Marvel for years. I think he did like a couple of Wolverine run- runs and something like that. So some big character, big character in like, X-Men, some big characters in Marvel and his art is fantastic and I think his art mixed with Charles Soule's storytelling uh, uh, it marries up beautifully in this first volume and throughout the series yeah I completely agree there I think the the art in this series really is outstanding and you know obviously the writing brilliant as well I think you know I'm sort of alongside Light of the Jedi I think for me this is some of the best work that Charles Soule's done in Star Wars I think this is a really phenomenal sort of 25 issues of storytelling but you know this first volume itself is really really brilliant i particularly love you know the sort of the middle i think it's like the middle two issues which specifically deal with him and his fight with um karak and fala um which we will dive into um and then yeah as he said it's just the way sort of the we really learn so much about vader his relationship with 
Palpatine right at the beginning. We learn a lot about the way that Palpatine's sort of trying to seize control in this sort of burgeoning empire in sort of a similar way of like we're getting that story in the bad batch we sort of get we get another side of it sort of more like the sith the two of them their relationship their way that they're trying to mop up surviving jedi the way that they're trying to you know create this undestroyable empire um this evil evil empire just sort of with on the backs of the two of them vader and palpatine and i guess you really learn a lot about vader the these tragic side of Vader, which is the way that he is just completely used and abused by his master. Um, but you know, that's just how the dark side works. That's why you don't pick it dummy. Um, but yeah, no, I think this is a really great first volume and I think there's not much else positive I can say about it without us just diving in to (laughs) the actual story beats and what actually happens. Um, I mean, do you want to do you want to kick things off, John? Because we sort of start this this first comic, the very first issue of this series, starts right off where Revenge of the Sith ends. Yeah, I mean, literally the opening scene is uh, everyone remembers that scene from Revenge of the Sith of Vader coming off the the medical chair and uh, him shouting "No!" no! Uh, we, we all remember that. It's iconic and it's it's meme worthy uh, and hilarious at both the time as being like iconic. But yeah, I mean, the first page literally opens up in that scene. Um, and so it's, it's first off nostalgia for that, that complete scene back in the day. And then I think the big, the big point about that scene that I think this comic adds is Vader throws Palpatine against the wall, <clears throat> which I think at first is like, oh, damn, like, this man is pissed off. Um, which then I think it's just a, a show of how angry and how powerful actually Vader is when he's like, in his pure rage and, you know, really deep within the dark side. He's, he's managing to throw Palpatine against a wall, which is an impressive feat in itself, really. Um, but then, obviously, the whole master and apprentice relationship comes out and Palpatine is basically, like, explains to him, as he does in the film, similarly, um, what happened and, you know, why Vader's rage has, like, led to Padme's death. Um and then basically explains that this death, this pain can be used to like fuel the dark side, you know, trying to be a good master, uh, give him some lessons. And then immediately it's like, if you touch him with the force again, like you'll die and just like zaps the shit out of him with his electric he light, with his uh, force lightning. Super zapped, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. And basically, it, I think it just sets up the relationship really well between Palpatine and Vader, where Palpatine is actually trying to teach Vader like how to become more powerful and how to become deep in the dark side while also being like, don't cross me, bitch. Otherwise, I will kill you. Yeah, it's and it's an interesting comparison to the the master and apprentice relationship that Anakin was originally used to with Obi Wan, which was a very kind, loving, supporting sort of relationship where Anakin could sort of piss about, and Obi Wan would be like, "Oh, Anakin, not again!" But ultimately, not get too angry with him. But in this case, if he steps out of line at all, he's getting electrocuted. He he's you know, tormented so that he becomes more angry, more hate-filled and more powerful, but he still is not allowed to be strong enough to defeat his master. Um, or at least Palpatine doesn't plan for him to be strong enough to defeat him for quite a while yet. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a really interesting opening. It just sort of immediately, you take Vader in this moment of strength and immediately just remind the audience that 
even though this is an evil villain who we're all supposed to hate, we are also supposed to have the teeniest little ounce of sympathy for him because he is essentially just in an abusive relationship with his new master. And I think, you know, that leads very well on to the next scene, which where you see um, Mazamida in front of the Jedi temple burning, well, not burning, just putting the all the Jedi's lightsabers into this big thing, which just d- destroys them all. Um, and Palpatine making a point of like, we could just give you one of those Vaders, uh, those lightsabers, um, but a Sith's weapon is to be, uh, is to be taken from a Jedi, not to be like just given to them. So he s- says to him like, right, we're going off on a mission here. We need to find you a lightsaber. Um, and then Pal just abandons Vader on a planet and says, right, you're on your own now. Go find a Jedi, go kill them. Bring me back a Kyber crystal. Um, which again, just shows that Palpatine thinks that the only way to get Vader stronger is just to abuse him, abandon him and treat him like trash. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really interesting as well. I think <clears throat> one of the points I noticed when I was just rereading this uh, comic series is that, um, that message that Vader gets at that point, in the story of obviously like a Sith's weapon is taken, not given is <clears throat> actually something that he Vader really it hits home to him. And throughout this, the next couple of issues, like there's multiple opportunities for him to like get a lightsaber, like for free basically. And like at multiple points, like either just drops it or like leaves it behind because he hasn't actually earned it. So I think it's, it's really interesting. There's just a little bit of dialogue then. And just a little bit of, there's a few actions in the latest sit in the latest, issue and like issue two where he's like just try, drops a lightsaber leaves it behind um which isn't really like massively pointed out you could kind of just skip over the panel but it's just that nice little relationship there where they're making points of like the character beats for vader in this issue which i think is one of the highlights of the whole series but i'll sum that up yeah. later yeah and it's definitely given us some bits of information on sith law and what all the these rules of the Sith Order is, and you know that they have to take their lightsaber from a Jedi. They can't just buy one at the supermarket and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, I found that really interesting. And then this <clears throat> this issue essentially ends with um, Vader murdering a whole village of people to get on a ship, um, and then that sort of takes us into the second issue where he continues to murder a lot of people, but this time it's a, a clone sort of Jedi out as a Jedi outpost on the edge of space filled with clones who are sort of creating up Jedi relics to be taken back to Coruscant. Um, two clones that I quite like here, Ding and Kicker <laughs> is their names. And uh, they're sort of questioning, you know, very much in the same way that the, the clones in the Bad Batch are of like, what's going to become of us? Like, are we still going to be what, uh, soldiers or are they just going to get rid of us? And then basically, long story short, Vader arrives and kills them all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, a long story short, he basically does just show up and kill them all. Right? I think there were some interesting story beats in these, in these moments. So obviously, as you said, Vader goes to this Jedi outpost and, an interesting point is, you know, he arrives on his ship and he's got a little droid friend with him. And obviously the clones like engage him in uh, uh, like an aerial combat <clears throat> out in space. And the droid's like, oh, we know we've got the codes to send them to like land. Like we can just send it and they'll let us in. 
And Vader purposely is like, nope, I want to fight. So he decides to fight all the clones uh, in space and obviously kills them all. So I think is an interesting point. It's like, you know, it brings the question is why did Vader do this? Like, did he want to do it just to prove himself? Or is it like in my head, I was like, is it one of those things where he actually like wants to kill the clones at this point, given the opportunity because, you know, we, it's, it's, it's pretty well established in like Vader's history and stuff that like you get so much hate and this part of that hate is for himself about what he's done and what he's become. And like, I could see the clones being like equally hated in that sort of sense. And so like what they've done and what he's, <clears throat> what has been uh, carried out by these, by these individuals. Some sort like, did he just do it to prove himself or because he just likes doing it? It's probably a mixture of both in my head. Yeah. Um, I think maybe he's just like, obviously when he was Anakin, he was a, you know, an incredible pilot. And I guess it was just a little moment for him to be like, yeah, I still got it. <laughs> Don't mess with <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. And then obviously just decides to obviously kills all the clones, gets in the ship, gets in the outpost and then decides to kill all the clones in the ship. Yeah. yeah. And as, as you had mentioned earlier, he comes across a lightsaber. Um, and this is sort of what John was saying in the sense that this is not a lightsaber that he thinks, Oh, this will do. I'll use this one to get my red lightsaber. He uses it for the job it needs to be used for and then quickly dispatches of it. Yeah, which I mean, I think is a perfect character beat for that and shows and shows how like they're paying attention to their own story writing, which I think is always a key, a key point. Like the, the panels where he, like he is dropping his lightsaber could easily just have not been in there. Uh and he like could have just he could have just, and also in the story could have just like kept it forever how long he needed it for. But no, it's literally like as soon as he finishes using it, killing in the clones, he literally he drops it because you know, he doesn't need to go and fight. He doesn't need it any longer. So, yeah, as you said, he hasn't mm. earned it, so he just leaves it behind. Yeah, but I mean, he's he's strong enough in the dark side of the force that he can arrive on this station, obviously with no lightsaber at all, and still, you know, fend for himself under like a barrage or blast of fire. Um, I also do think it's particularly interesting that the clones think that he's a Jedi because he uses the lightsaber, which goes to show that the clones, just the Empire as a whole, really, don't actually understand who Vader is at this point in time. They don't know the concept of a Sith, as far as they're concerned. If they see someone holding a lightsaber, it's a Jedi. So I think that's another interesting moment there. Um, and then obviously the most significant advancement of this issue is that the droid helps him look for a Jedi who's taken the Baresh vow. And the brush foul is essentially when a Jedi goes through a significant something in their life at the Order and decides that they need to take themselves away from being a Jedi and essentially meditate for the rest of their life, sort of just in direct communication with the Force. And, you know, these are Jedis who probably wouldn't have been found and killed in Order 66. So this is Vader's idea of how he's going to find someone to get a lightsaber from and the droid um finds the location of a former jedi called kirak in fala and that sets sets vader off um on his mission um but he is rudely interrupted before he gets a chance to go by a grenade um i know this is a personal favorite moment of yours john so i can leave you to tell the good people what happens here yeah i think i, I definitely mentioned it in our previous podcast of like 
I think it was like top 10 Vader moments or something. I've definitely mentioned it. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's just basically some clone troopers, as you say, interrupt Vader and, he, um, and his droid looking for a Jedi. And by, yeah, just chucking a grenade at him, which Vader then turns around and, and catches with the Force, like, just before it goes off. And then he's, like, and surrounded by two clones who are like, you can only do one or two things. You can either control the grenade or stop us. So they want to, one clone wants to kill him. The other clone wants to, you know, restrain him and take him to Palpatine for like a big reward. Uh, and basically Vader just turns around and is just like, your clones, you know, you two are wrong. And they're like, all right, what are we wrong about? And he's like, Vader's just basically, I have no limits. And while holding the grenade still, just snaps the two clones necks with the force. So yep. R.I.P. Ding and Kicker, the boys. <laughs> yeah, just shows how... OP is that not only is he standing there holding a grenade from going off, he's also got the capacity of then focusing on the two clones in front of him and snapping their necks at the same time. Uh, which is just, yeah, I mean, it just it sums up brilliantly like how powerful Vader is. And this is only like issue two of the series, and yeah, he's only learning his strength. Yeah. So fantastic. And, and how much he's just channeling the dark side to give himself more and more power. And obviously, you know, using fear, hatred, anger, all these emotions that we're not allowed to use, according to Yoda, but he's using them all and it's helping him out quite a lot. Um, and then obviously we move into um, the next part of the story where he heads to the planet where Kirak and Fala is. Um, I think I think issue three just opens up with Infala sensing Vader's darkness arriving on the planet. Um, and you know, Vader's coming in in a ship and then Fala just lobs. I think Vader, the, the droid of Vader describes it as like, he's throwing art at us, um, but it's these like little, um, there is a name for them. It's someone like Padawan puzzles or something like that that he like throws at Vader and then causes Vader to crash land. Um, and then that sets up the first confrontation um, between Vader and Infala, and this is, I think, the moment when Infala realizes that the moment that he felt in the Force, like all the lives of the Jedi just being like snuffed out at once, like Vader is the one responsible. So um, Infala's basically like, you know, I have to destroy you for what you've done, um, and sends him on a little quest up a mountain, <laughs> overcoming traps um, until we can eventually fight him basically yeah it's like the i think hereafter describes it as like the i don't know like trials up the mountain or something. i think he said there was like nine trials but i think vader only, only ends up doing two the, the first one being he gets flooded by a dam um and then parts it like the red sea like our boy moses um with the force which is a badass moment because there's like probably several tons of water down there it's just like drowned him but he's like nope See you later. Uh, and then halfway up the mountain, he gets attacked by, I don't know, like some birds. So like, I think they're like, I don't know, mechanical birds. Some or just big like birds. <laughs> big birds, yeah. <clears throat> uh, big birds. And again, Vader dispatches of these using the force, just like crushing one here, crushing one there. Yeah. And um, then I think Infala's like, oh, screw these traps. Let's just have a fight. Um, because Vader hasn't come with a lightsaber. He sort of takes a weird sort of energy weapon off of a trading droid that Infala has been um, sort of dueling with. I think we learned just in the issue before that like K 
Kirak and Fala is like known for being a fighter in the order. <clears throat> like he wasn't he wasn't like a thinker or anything like that. Like he was literally known for fighting. And then obviously we see him here dueling with this droid, like trying to keep his ability as a as a duelist up. So I think when the two of them go at it, we know that we've got this Jedi who's literally known for being a really tough fighter versus Vader, who's obviously really strong in the dark side, but he A, doesn't have his own lightsaber and B, is wearing this huge <clears throat> clunky mechanical suit, which he's only really had on him for about two days. So he doesn't really know how to fight in it either. So it ends up being a pretty tough match for Vader and um, Infala actually beats him and um, throws him off the top of the mountain, which ends up sort of being the cliffhanger for this issue. But I did think it was something really interesting that Charles Soule did here. And I think it's actually a really good decision is even though we know Vader's incredibly strong and, you know, can pretty much best anyone in battle. I think it's unrealistic to think that he would be able to do that so shortly after, you know, losing limbs and being put in this new mechanical suit. So I do think that this issue does show us that very shortly, it took time for Vader to get to a point when he could win, you know, jewels, a lightsaber duel, because he's not used to this new armor. He doesn't really have a proper weapon. And I think it would have been unrealistic in this moment right here for Vader just to best him straight away because he hasn't um, necessarily got the experience of fighting in his new form, I guess. And then obviously when, we'll go, when we go on to what happens later, he does best in Fala, but by using a particular way. Uh, I don't know if you sort of agree with what I'm saying there, that this was quite an interesting way of handling this fight. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It just it makes the story just fly. I think it just makes the story fly so much better and be a lot more <clears throat> I mean realistic, I suppose. I like how, you know, the reason he lost is because his like leg gave way pretty much. Like he's he's like um his mechanical leg basically just like snaps while him and uh Impala are having like a little tussle with like the the uh, I don't know what you call it, but like when you blade on blade action, like leaning against each other, basically Vader's leg just like gives away and Impala just like pushes him off the edge. So I think that's, that's that is an interesting way of doing it because I think it's fairly common knowledge um between like Star Wars fans that Vader's suit isn't like top of the range. It's not um you know it's not like the perfect suit you could have been given up with you know with the Empire's like wealth and power, you know, he could have had a much better suit off the bat. But the one Palpatine gave him was pretty pathetic, to be honest. Basically, just to just to make his life even more miserable than it has to be. Um, so I think it's, it's it was a cool thing to have him not only lose, but then his suit be like one of the main reasons he lost that fight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, sort of, as we continue the story, he he then I think in Fala imagines that he's dealt with Vader and sort of heads off back to this city. But we we find Vader at the bottom of this mountain, sort of suit in pieces. And I think this was one of the moments I thought, damn, that's interesting. Because Vader just sort of starts to piece the suit back together using the crushed droid, um, the dueling droid. And it was one of those moments where I was like, yeah, good point. Anakin was an incredibly good like engineer, he built C-3PO, he built pod racers. Of course, he'd be able to use sort of piece back together this mechanical suit. But I just thought that was a really interesting moment of like seeing that, because I think there's a lot of 
misconceptions within the Star Wars community that like Vader and Anakin are two completely different people. And it's like, it's, it's, it's not, I, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd never describe it as something that's as simple as them being two completely different peoples. Like Darth Vader has so many elements of Anakin still in him. I mean, and this is just proof, you know, his pilot piloting ability we see in issue two in issue four, we see his like engineering talents in the way that you can put the suit back together. Um, so I do think there's like so many elements of like the skills that Anakin have. They don't leave him when he becomes Vader, with the exception of like his, you know, ability to like be kind and look out for people and have affection for people. You know, obviously that's gone out the window because he's an evil bastard now. But those sort of like talents and skills that he had in sort of technical ability still still exists within Vader. So I think it was a really interesting idea that in this that the opening of this fourth issue was essentially like vader overcoming a problem not by just like using dark side and anger but actually just using his talents as a <laughs> as an engineer um i don't know if you agree i thought that was quite an interesting moment yeah i mean it was really really cool yeah to see that that little nod and like link back to um <clears throat> what we know about like what anakin like so special um I think it was cool. It just reminds me of, um, you know, like uh, when you see Jedi's sitting there, like meditating with when they're building their lightsabers and like taking it apart and stuff like that. It reminded me of that. Or just like obviously Vader just laying there and just like using the force to fix his suit. Like he's, he's not actually doing anything. He's just laying there like a corpse basically. But he's like using the force, which I think was really cool. Um, and just shows off. The yeah, as you say, like the combination of those two skills, like the obviously Anakin and Vader are strong in the Force, and then obviously Anakin was an incredible engineer. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a good nod and a good bit of writing from Charles. So. Yeah, definitely. And then this this um, this issue is sort of where this um, mission to destroy Infala sort of comes to its climactic ending. So um, <clears throat> Infala's gone back to this city, and he's getting ready to. He's got some people looking after his fighter and he's ready to like jump in his ship and fly to Coruscant and deal with the master because <clears throat> he figures out Vader's only the apprentice. There's a Sith master out there that he needs to kill. So he's ready to hop off and do that. Um, but Vader appears much to his surprise um, up the top of this huge dam, which is like a really beautiful shot up the top of this huge dam above the city um, and sort of, beckons down to him so Infala meets him on the top of this dam and um it's a really interesting moment I think this is the this moment is exactly one that I brought up in our Vader's greatest hits moment so I won't hang about it on it too much but essentially Vader and Infala are fighting there's some security guards appear and Vader decides to lob them off the edge to deal with them Infala wants to save them and Vader realises this guy's weakness is that he's a Jedi. He will care for innocent people. So the only way I can beat him in this moment is by, you know, killing loads of innocent people to distract him. So he, you know, breaks the flood dam and floods the whole city, which is enough to distract him, Fala. And then he snaps his neck and kills him and gets his lightsaber. Um, we did go over that scene in quite a bit more detail in our... Darth Vader's Greatest Hits episode, which I think was like episode 12 was a while ago. But if you haven't checked that out, check it out. Um, but yeah, I thought this was just an epic conclusion to this um, story and just really goes to show how evil and twisted Vader is, but also how he has this ability to really assess his opponent 
because he really just figures out, right, this guy's, you know, it's a Jedi. He's he's going to protect innocent lives. Let me use that to my advantage. And he uses it as his way of besting him in this fight. Yeah. And I'm, I just want to point out that um, like not only is Vader then being like evil and malicious in this point, but it's, it's also just a great show of like his power within the force is like, he's, he's flooded this village, breaking the dam at, at certain points and stuff. But also while doing that, he manages to steal uh, Father's lightsaber and then force grab him and choke him to death while like while destroying the dam at the same time. So it just is like a nice little nod back to the issue before where he was like doing two things at once with the force, like two like powerful things at once. Like, and how he's like so much further along <laughs> and literally just an issue, he's able to do these two spectacular things than he yeah. was like an issue before. Yeah. Oh, that was really cool. And it's, yeah, it's just exactly what Palpatine wants. It's him using his hatred and his anger just to become more and more powerful as a Sith. And then this is just continues to show that, that growth. It's like the, it's like the video game mechanics of him just leveling up, like by doing quests. <laughs> this is essentially Vader leveling up by doing all his quests. Um, and then this is a pretty, pretty huge scene which we go on to and then the next issue which is a pretty big moment in in Vader's canon which is um Palpatine sends Vader to to Mustafar to bleed his saber in the in like a dark side sort of nexus point or cave where someone's particularly strong with the dark side it happens to be Mustafar I'm pretty sure this actually happens to be the spot that Vader then goes on to build his castle in. I think it's all around the exact same spot, which is a very interesting odd. I mean, it happens to be in the same comic series. Obviously, Charles Soule would lay in these um, breadcrumbs early on. Um, but he has a very interesting series of visions when he's attempting to bleed his lightsaber, which I think is a this was a particularly interesting scene. I don't know if you want to pick up on this one, John. Yeah, I mean, the this scene opens up with uh, Vader getting to the little table, which is obviously where we see Vader's castle later on, um, and then goes to bleed his lightsaber crystal. And obviously, as we know in Star Wars, the crystals are semi-conscious. They're like kind of living beings, you know, have their own thoughts and stuff um, in a way. So as Vader goes to bleed the crystal, the crystal obviously fights back, and Vader has a vision where he basically just comes to the realization and like, I think the panels, like, it, it shows his broken eyeglass um, and his eyes like blue now, no more, no longer like stiff yellow. And his, his words are, what have I done? Uh, and he decides to basically construct the, construct the lightsaber back together, go to Coruscant and kills Palpatine in a short amount of time. Uh, what have sure I done? In the, <laughs> in the panel, we have, Palpatine's I mean the comic version of Palpatine's little Sith lightsaber twist in midair with the screech which uh, is an interesting thing to see on the comic panel uh, he slays slays Palpatine and then goes and basically asks Obi-Wan for forgiveness and kneels in front of him takes his helmet off and begs begs Obi-Wan for forgiveness mm. um, yeah a really interesting moment because I guess this is a moment when we're seeing that little bit of goodness that still exists in Vader. And this is a moment where he has to fight it essentially. Um, and then sort of after that vision of Obi-Wan, I, th I think the, the, 
sort of it just goes on to another panel and he's just like no and then just goes intense on the crystal basically rejecting all the goodness that exists in him and giving himself over completely to the dark side yeah that is literally the, the panel it's, it's like um i think the panel goes from like obi-wan deactivating his lightsaber when he sees anakin when anakin's in front of him and then he says like anakin and then vader like wakes up back in the cave and then bleeds his bleeds his crystal with some intense uh lava and lightning and some scenes in it where it's like it be one scene it but like the lava like erupting outside and like on a pan the next panel will be um like a painful moment in anakin's life such as the 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 um the ones they use is obi-wan leaving him on mustafar him carrying his mother's corpse and then um like just an image of padme and i I suppose he uses all this hate anger and like pain to fuel his rage into the crystal to make it bleed and then obviously that the effects this has on like the surrounding area of like the lava going mental like lightning coming down um so yeah it was a really cool scene actually it's so interesting i think yeah so it's probably the the first time we've seen a a sith like bleed their lightsaber i can imagine um and i thought it was so cool yeah, I mean, I think the artwork, there's like two, basically it's like two splash pages, one after the other, with like the little panels John was describing there, with some like bigger shots of like Vader, with like the crystal on the table. And yeah, so like so, so cool. And I think really establishes an important thing about Vader, which we do know, which Padme always goes on about, that like there is still good in him. Anakin still exists in there, but... I mean, later on in the series, there's a bit of a good, like, there's a good representation of that, but it's like, you know, Anakin still exists in there. Um, but Vader is fighting like every day and Palpatine's encouraging him to fight every day to repress or suppress that goodness in him. And I think this is like him making his lightsaber here is that perfect sort of representation of that. And then after he's made his lightsaber, he returns back to Palpatine for some reason just lobs a couple of Palpatine's royal guards out of the way because they were in his way Tarkin and Mazamida are both there talking to Palpatine I think about the Death Star and then you know they just step aside and Vader reveals his bright red lightsaber to his master and this is just an epic epic um, moment there and I think yeah as you said as, as we were saying this is just like a really important piece of canon that there probably isn't time for films or TV shows to show. So a comic is a perfect medium to like give people this important information about Vader and really sort of fill in those time gaps. Yeah. It was a, it's a key point. I think that we need to see in these issues. I think, I think the volume one in this is like the real, like, uh, like true dark origin story of Darth Vader, I suppose. It's like him becoming, yeah. Yeah. Vader coming from like, you know, being crowned Darth Vader not in the suit at the end of Revenge of the Sith, being like, oh, yeah, he's Darth Vader. And then I think, like, at the end of issue six, it's like, oh, shit, like, this he's, is Darth Vader. He's a Sith Lord, I guess. This is him going from, like, Darth Vader, the fallen Jedi, to Darth Vader, the Sith Lord, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then this this volume wraps up with a final issue, which sort of, it's like almost like a bit of a transition issue into the next volume. And this is um, Vader's in his... Um, meditation tube and Palpatine's talking to him he's like um, head over to the Jedi Temple when you're finished but 
you know, you can tinker around with your armor to like to your own liking. So Vader's like using the force whilst in the chamber to like tinker around the armor. And then Vader rocks up to the Jedi Temple and bumps into uh the good old Grand Inquisitor from Star Wars Rebels. Um and they end up having a fight. Vader nearly kills him and pouts like, whoa, 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 this is the Grand Inquisitor. He's gonna be part of the Inquisitorious. Um and then Vader's introduced to the Inquisitors and Palpatine's like, yeah, basically, this is your t- your team now. You're in charge. Um, they're all like fallen Jedi who were pissed off of the Order and I've managed to catch them just at the right time and they're ready to do some serious Jedi hunting. And the final image of, the, of issue six and that first volume is, you know, I, c- I can't remember what the exact line of dialogue is, um, but it's an image of Jocasta Nu. Um, there is no greater threat to our empire than like a Jedi that's still alive or something like that. And then you see Jocasta Nu, the old lady archivist from Attack of the Clones and Clone Wars, still alive out there hiding. And that sets up what goes on to be the next volume of uh, of the comic. I think this was quite an interesting little sort of transition issue um by particularly i'm a big as a big, big big rebels fan i was really interested to see the early early days of the inquisitors and the grand inquisitor um and just seeing how they got introduced into palpatine's um empire basically is what this issue does and i think it's really interesting that they establish this relationship between vader and the grand inquisitor and the other inquisitors sort of quite early on in this comic series yeah, I think it was really good. It was really interesting to like introduce the Grand Inquisitors. I think this uh, this early, um, I thought it was really interesting, really cool. I really liked in their fight, like during their fight, the Grand Inquisitors like being really cocky, and he's like, "Oh, like I'm winning, you're losing. Like keep this up, you'll be dead in a minute." And then I think at one point, the Grand Inquisitors spinning his lightsaber helicopter thing in front of Vader, and he's like, "Oh, I've got you now. Or, like I have you or something." And Vader basically just sticks his lightsaber in the middle, breaks it, breaks the Inquisitor's lightsaber. And it's just like, nope, I was just testing my new suit. And then I think that's when Palpatine steps in and is like, don't kill him. <laughs> so it's just how confident the Grand Inquisitor was. Then Vader just to turn the, the fight around, be like, oh no, I was just testing myself out. Like, we're all good now. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a, such a flex. Yeah, and because we know that the Grand Inquisitor has fallen from a Jedi, he was a Jedi who was very angry with the Order a lot of the time, but suppressed all of that to sort of stick around. And this Order 66 sort of became the perfect moment for him to turn to the dark side. And obviously Palpatine scooped him up. But I think there's a there's a big element of like arrogance, cockiness, thinking he's the, he's the toughest guy in the room, which I feel like all dark siders have in their nature. Like being humble is a Jedi thing, being sort of arrogant and cocky is a, a dark side of thing. And I think in this moment, he's very much like, yeah, I can beat this Vader guy. So no, you can't know your place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, and then that literally sets up so well. And like the next opens up the next issue where the opening scene is Vader, like cutting off one of the other inquisitor's hands. <laughs> like, cause I think they're doing like lightsaber training, I assume. Um, and he just like cuts off this guy's hand and, someone makes a point like you don't have to I think it's a grand inquisitor like you don't have to like cut everyone's arm off or like leave them like dying or whatever and Vader's like well you know they'll learn (laughs) it's like the only way to teach them is to cut off their arms yeah those poor inquisitors go through a lot I think just before we dive in to 
issue seven, which is the first issue of the second volume. Um, just a little sort of summary. I think if I had to pick an issue out of these first six that was my favourite, it probably is either issue four or five. <clears throat> sort of the issue where he fights in Fala on top of the dam. I love. That's one of my favourite Vader moments. That's the one that like really sticks in my head when I go go on to talk about Vader. But rereading these issues, I you know, it reminded me how great issue five is and everything that we were talking about, sort of the force visions of Mustafar of him bleeding his crystal, I think, and the artwork and everything in that issue is phenomenal. So, you know, it was a really strong first volume, <clears throat> first six issues, as you said, an important way to, you know, important to start a comic book series on a strong footing. And it definitely delivered on it. But I do think, Oh, I can't decide between issue four and five, but th- those are t- the two issues that really stand out for me in this in this first run. And it's definitely when I read this the first time around. After that, I was like, "Damn, I'm in for the long run here." This is a this is a great great comic. Yeah, I think if I was going to pick one, I think it probably would be issue five, just for the the scenes, um, the scenes on Mustafar and the the flashbacks and that the visions. Um, I think that that really takes the takes a cake for me on that one. I think just the art and everything just makes it unbelievable. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's such a great opening volume for for Vader, and uh, it really, I think it really this one and the second one, I think really set up like Vader's character really well. Which obviously I'll talk more about once we get to the end of the next volume. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, as we were saying, um, the the second volume is called Legacy's End. Um, and it kicks off in issue number seven of the series. And as John was saying, it starts off with Vader fighting Inquisitors. He chops an arm off one and he, I think he chops an eye off another. Um, and it's it's not looking good for the Inquisitors, but Vader makes the point to the Grand Inquisitor that they have to learn, they have to be strong enough to fight Jedi and he can't go easy on them, basically. Um, so the Grand Inquisitor shows Vader a list of surviving Jedi who either Palpatine knows or assumes survived Order 66. Um, all of the names are in um, Orobesh, but I like you can figure out a few of them. I know one of them's Yoda because it's like four letters. Um, and I'm pretty sure just by doing a bit of mental maths, I think like one of them's Obi-Wan Kenobi. One of them I think is Quinlan Voss. And then one of them's Jocasta Nu. Um, so... Jocasta Nu is highlighted, which I think Vader and the Grand Inquisitor find particularly interesting because Jocasta Nu is basically just a librarian. Um, and then we we cut off to her. She sort of built, you know, creating holocrons and building this like data bank um, hidden in a wee cave, which is she plans to be a school. Um, and she says to the guys with her, like, a school needs students. So she gets on her ship and comes back to Coruscant. And then we have a really interesting scene between the Emperor and Vader, where Vader basically explains why Jocasta Nu is really important to him and why he wants Vader to bring her in alive instead of dead, which is a difficult thing for an angry Sith like Vader to do. Um, it's because, like, being the archivist, she has so much, like, hidden secrets and information about not just the Jedi, but, like, the ancient Sith, um, whether it's, like actual artifacts whether it's like information about the location of you know various jedi etc etc so palpatine wants vader to get jocasta new alive so essentially what this first issue does is just sets up the storyline of this next thing you know palpatine wants vader to find 
and bring him Jocasta New. Jocasta New is actually heading back to Coruscant herself because she's on a little mission of her own. And Vader's basically being warned that the Inquisitors are going to want to kill her themselves to prove themselves and for their own reasons. But it's Vader's job to bring her in alive. Um, so it's a really nice little issue of just quickly summing up what's happening, setting up the story and getting ready for the big climactic battles to come. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure there's only like a, this issue is pretty much just like, yeah, a nice little <clears throat> intro issue about what like the next five issues are going to be about. Some nice little scenes in there I quite enjoyed, like um, Palpatine and Vader's conversation are like, Vader, a shot of like Vader kneeling before Palpatine. I thought that was, uh, just reminds me obviously of, um, uh, what was it, like Empire Strikes Back and stuff when like, or just whenever Vader does it, really. I'm pretty sure it's Empire Strikes Back, but he's like kneeling in front of the big hologram of Vader, of uh, Palpatine. Yeah. Empire yeah. Strikes Back, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just reminded me of that. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, it just sets up really well, I think, what the next couple of issues are going about and how, I, was, I suppose, um, the librarian is like the antagonist of the issue, even though she's the good guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then we, we go into the eighth issue which is actually quite a quite a heavy issue like a lot happens um there's an interesting scene right at the beginning where palpatine i think vader just like chokes out and kills an imperial officer um and then palpatine says like okay fair enough but could you try not to kill every single being in the galaxy because i do need some alive so i can rule them (laughs) um and then make sort of like a weird dark side philosophical point of like like Essentially, you like it's the hatred and anger gives us strength, but if you let it take over too much, then you just end up killing literally every single person in front of you, and you kind of need to control that in a way. Which I thought was a really interesting lesson, particularly to come from Darth Sidious to be like, Yeah, you can kill a lot of people, but not all of them. Um, so just I don't know what you thought of that first scene, but just <laughs> such an interesting thing to hear from the villain of like, yeah, we'll slow down. I know you want to kill people, but you take your time. <laughs> no, that's a good point. But I suppose like Palpatine's always been one of those people that's is he uses the dark side of such like a manipulative way. Or I feel like Vader's more of just like raw power and just like anger and stuff. Well, obviously Palpatine is more of like he's a bit sneaky with it. He's a bit more manipulative. Well I think if yeah if you just let Vader do what he wanted he probably would end up literally killing every single person in the Empire just because they slightly irritate him. Which <laughs> yeah. then would leave leave him with, with no staff. Yeah. And I think it's there's an issue in a couple of issues time where Vader lets someone live. And I think it's almost like he learns a bit from this of like right I need to you know, assert my authority. I need to use my hatred and my anger to fuel my power. But there is also a limit to the practicality of serving in this empire. And, you know, I need to do my master's bidding. So I do think Vader definitely learns an interesting little lesson here, which I guess sort of fits in with his character in the original trilogy, because in the original trilogy, he kills people, but he doesn't just kill everyone, which I think this Vader at the beginning would have killed a lot more people in the original strategy. So I do think it's taking Vader on that journey of being a bit of a pragmatic murderer instead of a <laughs> just a, an out of control one. Yeah, I feel like he definitely learned his, he learned that lesson and uh, only kills when someone has actually really pissed him off, <clears throat> such as that, that poor fellow in um, 
oh god, I can never remember the films where he like chokes him on screen next to his his partner, and he's just like, all right, you're in charge now. Yeah, I think it's is it Captain Nida or is it Admiral Piet or is one it's one of the yeah one of the Imperial admirals. Yeah, it's. I mean, I suppose at that point he, he killed him because he had his promotion sitting not right next to him, so it's it's fine. Yeah, exactly. If anything, it was just a there was an administrative issue right there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, in this in this issue, we see Jocasta Nu returning to the temple, um, and her Jedi fighter and like the droid that she left behind, hidden somewhere in Coruscant, is discovered by the police. Um, so to keep her presence hidden, she basically just tells the droid to like blow itself and the fighter up. Um, but in doing so, the, the the sort of investigators of the scene find the Jedi insignia that was on the side of the starfighter um, and reports, reports it up to Vader. And then I think this moment we actually see the first of like dark Vader's like dark side meditation with his body in the force. I, I, I know that you're a big fan of this, John. So I'll let, I'll let you run with this moment. <laughs> I'm a big fan of this art to be fair. I think this is psych. I'd love to have been in like the the room when the whoever the artist um, came up with this concept of like how to draw Vader in the in the Force because yeah it's like a dark side meditation it's him as like a silhouette but obviously all the parts of him that are still organic are like swirling red and all the parts of him that have been chopped off are like pure white as they're missing in the in the Force obviously and then around him is just loads of like Sith lightning I suppose um, and then. Uh, surrounding them is just like blue butterflies which is obviously just like the light side of the force like still trying to like get near him and like surround him um so i think is this is i think it's just such a beautiful bit of art as we found i think it just sums up it's really easy in this art to see where vader is at as, as a character um because you can just see obviously the internal dark side sith in on his person you see like these missing limbs and then you got the, the blue butterflies that I think signify the parts of Anakin that are still in there that we just discussed a minute ago. I think it's just, it's such a cool bit of art. And I I, I think whether it was Charles Soule who wrote it in like the comic scripts, scripts or um, the artist himself came up with it, whoever came up with it is absolute genius. Yeah, no, I agree. I think this is one of the, one of the standout, this is used quite a few times throughout the series, but this is what one of the standout images for me of this series is this sort of dark side meditation um, artwork. And I, I really think that like, whether it was soul or the artist, they literally just listened to Padme's line in Revenge of the Sith of being like, there's still good in him and decided, how do we represent that visually? And they're like, ah, an idea. And then, you know, as we were saying, you know, as John was saying, it's all this dark side lightning and everything inside of him. But then there's just these like three, I think there's like three at one point, And then later on, we see a few more, but there's just these like blue butterflies, which very much is like that visual metaphor for like, this is the little tiny bit of good that's like still floating around in his mind and his subconscious but he's sort of constantly trying to push away. And I think, yeah, it's just such interesting like character storytelling. And I think it's to, to be able to do that much with like essentially what is just a single panel of artwork is, you know, I take my hat off to the talent that, you know, the artist and the writer here is using. I think it's really, really good. Yeah. I think there's, 
like within the bigger panel, there's like little panels where it, it almost seems like Vader's. He got like tendrils of like Sith energy coming off him. Kind of looks like carnage if you want a visualization. I was like trying to like whack the butterflies with like a Sith tendril or something. Or he's like aiming for them, but can't quite snuff them out. So it's like he's internally is obviously like you can. It's such an easy visualization of like he's trying his best to stick to the Sith and be like, this is what I want and like. I want to feel all this rage and pain, but then you can't quite get rid of the the light that's there, as you just said. I just think, it's, yeah, they're so impressive how they do so much with so little. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but Vader is interrupted in his meditation um, and heads over to speak to this investigator. And the investigator is basically like, oh, there's no Jedi here. And then Vader uses the Force to like reassemble all the debris from the explosion into sort of the outline of a Jedi starfighter. So he's like, yep, there's a Jedi here somewhere. Um, you guys search everywhere in Coruscant. I'm going to the Jedi temple. And then obviously we go back to Jocasta Nu. And she has like gone into the archives, found like a secret door in, inside has not been touched by the Empire at all. It's filled with like Jedi and a few Sith artifacts. It's been um, guarded by droid there's a lot of cool stuff in there and the particular thing that she was heading for was this little i mean it's basically a memory stick a little usb stick that's filled with names and locations of force sensitive children that are like you know across the galaxy and you know she's trying to build what will essentially be a school and for her this is the most important thing that she needs so she grabs a hold of it and heads away um but on her way out of the temple, she sees the Grand Inquisitor doing what no one should do, which is disrespecting books. So <laughs> she leaps down and is basically like, how dare you disrespect my books? These are precious books. She goes full angry librarian on him and uh, ignites her lightsaber ready to fight the Grand Inquisitor. And that's sort of like the big final panel of Visual 8. I found that moment so funny that she's just like, you touched my books, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the bloody Inquisitor... Just uh, as you said earlier, absolute arrogance, the cheek of it. But he's he's got access to the uh, libraries of Coruscant, of the libraries of the Jedi Order, and he's just chucking the books away. Yeah, absolute cheek of it. I I don't blame Jacosta in this instance at all. I think he deserves to die for this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I do think it's really interesting when we go into the next issue that we learn a little bit more about why the Grand Inquisitor so specifically hates Jacosta Nu, which is like when he was a Jedi, she would never let him have access to some of the more like restricted information in the archive. And even if she did let him have access, she'd always like look over his shoulder and not like, trust him to like read things on his own. So he always felt like he was being looked down upon by this librarian. So he just sort of had like this hatred of her, even as a Jedi sort of like building and building. And now he's like a dark sider. He's now able to like unleash that hatred and anger. Um, and in this case, it's that him and Jocasta Nu have this big duel. Um, and it's a pretty epic duel. Obviously, as per usual, the artwork's pretty stunning. Um, but as the Inquisitor's trying to kill Jocasta, he's interrupted by Vader, who, you know, he's very clearly wants Jocasta Nu alive. Yeah, I mean, he listened to Palpatine's instructions and he wasn't going to go against his master at this point. He's like, nope. She Palpatine wants her alive, so uh, you will get her alive, which is, I mean, 
I think it probably was also just another opportunity just to piss off the Inquisitor. So I think Vader at any point will just do what he can just to slightly annoy him and make his day even even worse. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, but stupidly, he by doing this he gives the he gives Jocasta Nu the chance to escape. So she runs away, gets into her little secret hidey hole, and purges the entire Jedi archives of all the data so that there's nothing left for the Empire to um, root through. And Vader follows her into the archive. And this was a really interesting little scene. The the droid who's guarding the archive does like a bioscan on Vader. And he's like, oh yeah, you've come up on records as Anakin Skywalker, um, which is obviously, it, it was one of the things that like, yeah, obviously that makes sense. But that like a droid, if a droid did a bioscan, the thing that would connect Vader would be Anakin because that's like they're the, the same bodies in there so I do think it's an interesting connection but also something that pisses Vader off because he's trying to forget about Anakin he's trying to destroy what's left of Anakin um, so it makes him very pissed off and makes him just kill the droid um, and then this this issue ends on I think what is one of the most epic panels of this of this series which is Jocasta Nu the quiet nice old lady librarian from Attack of the Clones, stepping out of the doorway, holding a lightsaber rifle gun <laughs> and shooting Darth Vader. <laughs> Christ, what an introduction to the Star Wars universe. I mean, I'm assuming this hasn't been seen before. I mean, I don't know off the top of my head. But a lightsaber gun, that is that is something you don't see every day. And from the looks of it, it seems to be quite a powerful weapon. It seems to punch... I think it punches like a huge hole in... Um, like the archives and the wall in the Jedi Temple. So it's like, oh, Jesus, where, where do I get me one of these? It's also just the fact that they, like for ammo, they just clip their lightsaber into it <laughs> and, and pull the trigger. And it just like, I guess, focuses the Kyber energy into a blast. I guess this is some just like ancient Jedi piece of tech that they decided was, in Obi-Wan's words, uncivilized. So they just stopped using it. <laughs> but I don't know. It's pretty epic. I kind of wish everyone was running around with lightsaber guns. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'd like to see. I don't know with that how like it would correlate to like put it in like a video game or something. It's like Star Wars Battlefront Three running around with a, a lightsaber rifle. I think it'd be pretty <laughs> OP. Yeah, you can play as Jocasta New, and one of our abilities is just <laughs> someone in the head with a lightsaber gun. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be sick too. But... Um, and then this this continues on into the next issue with Vader and Jocasta Nu continuing to fight. The lightsaber gun eventually breaks. Um, she sort of taunts him because she clocks that he's Anakin as well. She sort of, you know, taunts him about the way that he's being manipulated by Palpatine and the way that he's, you know, betrayed the Order, betrayed all his friends. And, you know, he was supposed to be the chosen one and he's just become Palpatine's puppet and everything. Um I think to to the point that he's about to kill her and then she uses some explosive device to blow a big hole out the temple and run away. Um, And then she is confronted by a lot of clones. Um, And so is Vader, because again, they still haven't quite clocked onto the fact that he's a Sith, not a Jedi. He's on their team, but they don't realise. They start shooting at him until one of the clone commanders is like, yeah, stop, stop, stop. He's one of ours. And then Vader gets on the copter and snaps his neck. Um, I do think that's quite an interesting 
relationship of like, as, as I was saying earlier, it's taking them a bit of time to clock onto the fact that Vader's actually one of theirs and they should probably stop shooting at him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's just a shot of Vader in like the hole in the wall with a lightsaber and obviously the clones are like, oh, a lightsaber, shoot. Um, yeah. So obviously they start gunning him down until he's they're stopped by the a clone commander. And then unfortunately, the, the only clone that stopped them stopped the only clone commander that stopped the clones from shooting Vader is immediately killed by Vader himself. Which <laughs> yes, he has just, to teach a lesson, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's proves the point that maybe you should have just kept his mouth shut and let him, let him keep shooting. Yeah, and then um, eventually Vader and the clones overpower. Jocasta knew she runs and jumps off the edge to essentially just kill herself and become one with the force. But Vader stops that from happening by catching her and essentially arrests her um, on this little um, helicopter thing. It's not a helicopter. It's a, a some sort of transport fighter, but I don't know what the name is. Um, and then she makes the point that the device that she's got filled with force sensitive names Palpatine, she's like, oh, Palpatine wants that so he can make more of you. Like, do you really want there to be competition for like who's going to be the apprentice to the master? Um, so Vader sort of clocks onto that, kills Jocasta Nu, which he shouldn't have done because she's the only person who knew, and then destroys the basically destroys the little USB stick, and then um, says to Palpatine, oh yeah you know, in the whole fight, she died and she's got no information and everything's gone tits up, basically. So this is like the first time in this, this is issue 10, like this is the first time in this arc that we see Vader doing something against Palpatine. This is very much him trying to solidify his position and not let there be any um, competition to him. Um, which I think, again, it's like another huge sort of character milestone in this comic series of like new stuff that we're learning about Vader and this sort of self-preservation and this sort of occasional willingness to to go against Palpatine's orders. And I think this is a pretty significant moment for that. Yeah, I mean, this is quite interesting. <clears throat> I make a good point about how it's about like self-preservation. And, you know, I think in this series and other multimedia we see Vader, it's like all he ever wants to be really is just like, his master's like number one um like apprentice and stuff. So I think this is a very, <clears throat> very this is like the first instance we see that, even if it does mean going against Palpatine's orders. Um another point I want to make is that <laughs> when Vader is like interrogating Jocasta on the ship, she points out to the clones on the ship that they don't even know who Vader is and they're like, he's actually Anakin Skywalker. And then I really like the panel afterwards where the clones just basically just like look at Vader and then Vader just chucks him off the plane <laughs> all the ship and just like, right, well, you now you know my secret, you're dead. Like, you, no one can know. Um, so I thought it was just a really funny moment from the clones. It's literally just like they turn and then they're dead. Yeah, and then Vader says that little line where he's like, um, he's basically like, you know, that was your fault. And then Jocasta News says, yeah, they chose their fate or something like that by basically saying like the cho- the clones chose to be Jedi killers when in fact we actually know that they didn't choose it at all, that they were forced to. So I, d- I thought that was an interesting little uh, interaction. Yeah, I thought that, that was cool. I mean, we know as readers and stuff, yeah, the clones didn't choose that. So she's a little bitch to, to cost an act, um, to 
the librarian. <laughs> can't pronounce her name. We liked her. Yeah. We liked her all this time until she blasphemed against clones. <laughs> yeah, you can't be having that. Can't disrespect our boys like that. And then this issue ends um, with a really cool scene where you go back to the little underground base that Jocasta New was operating in with the guy. The guy sort of blows up the entrance so it's sealed. And then what we assume many, many years in the future, um, Luke Skywalker cracks into the, the cave to essentially find this, you know, series of holocrons, which has important information about the Jedi Order. I think Jocasta New said that like the stuff that she was like reporting on was like important information of why the Jedi Order needs to come back, why it should always survive, why it always needs to be there to like preserve the light and stuff. So it's an interesting little tie-in to the future when eventually one day after Return of the Jedi, Luke is going to stumble upon this um, wealth of information about the Jedi, which will you know help him one day set up his own school yes yeah, so it's a nice little scene actually I mean, it's like again it's just one of those things where it like, does not actually tell you a lot in the panels but obviously the implied meaning is actually quite deep is that this is where Luke gets his first hand knowledge of like the Jedi teachings and everything that obviously we get that is um, explained to us in uh, I don't know like some flashbacks maybe in the sequel trilogy obviously of of Luke's like, schools and stuff and obviously where he gets the information from yeah yeah really cool little inclusion um, so that sort of wraps up the, the bit with Jocasta New and then the final little part of this this volume and essentially this this first half of the storyline is a sort of quick two issue story which I think we're, we're we've been recording for quite a while so we'll try and wrap up this this last little bit fairly quickly um but basic premise is Vader and the Ninth Sister are sent to investigate a reported Jedi. Um, turns out it's a trap, which um, is sprung. Vader's lightsaber gets destroyed by this device that these bounty hunters are using. One of the bounty hunters is Chanef Char, who has appeared in a previous Charles Soul comic, which is the Lando comic, um, but at an older age. Um, her and her parents are attacking Vader. Um, they run away. He chases him down and essentially in exchange, he basically makes a deal with the parents. Your daughter gets to live if you give me the details on like who sent the hit out on me, basically. And they say that it came from Palpatine's office. Um, so the little cliffhanger is like, oh, was it Palpatine? And then in the final issue, we see Vader rebuilding his saber. He goes back to Coruscant. He's attacked whilst he's trying to land. And then he confronts Palpatine, basically saying, did you try and kill me? Palpatine's like, nope, someone else did figure it out. So Vader sort of clocks on. Whilst he's meditating again, we have another one of those beautiful meditation scenes that we were talking about. He clocks on to the fact that it's the Imperial officers and that they don't know him. They don't really trust him. They don't know who this new guy who has all this power is. So he sort of reports to Palpatine. He's like, right, I need to make an example. So in this sort of epic scene, <laughs> Vader's basically like, Palpatine's like, this is Vader, blah, blah, blah. You need to listen to him. His word is my words. Don't mess with him. And then Vader just picks up five random Imperials and says, all right, I'm just killing you at random, snaps their neck. And is like, right, now you guys, the rest of you, never mess with me again. If you try to kill me, you'll fail. And then that essentially solidifies his position as like Palpatine's right hand man and makes like the Imperial officers and all the leadership realize that 
they are just going to have to bow to him. So I think it's a a really interesting little story of basically answering the question as to why in you know why in the original trilogy does do all the officers obey Vader so much? Why do they sort of why why are they scared of him? Why do they obey him all the time? How has he got this sort of militaristic position? Because he's essentially just a bloke with a lightsaber, a machine-looking bloke with a lightsaber. And I think this answers some of these questions and really solidifies Vader's role within the Empire at Palpatine's side and basically just says, don't fight with me because you will die. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think this final, these final two issues um, really like put a nail, nail in the coffin as to Vader's, as I was saying earlier, the, the origin story of Vader, I suppose. <clears throat> like these final two issues really put that now in the coffin. I mean, we get the scene of Vader building, obviously because his, his lightsaber got broken, but he kept the Kyber crystal. We get the scene of Vader building his own lightsaber that we see him using throughout Star Wars um, future from this point, um, that iconic lightsaber. And then obviously the scene we, you just mentioned where he just kills five random Imperial officers just to prove a point. Um, and then <clears throat> I think the final two pages of this is uh, some of my favorites is, is again that beautiful um sith meditation scenes uh with with the the lightning and the sith energy all around him um but this time it fight it finishes off with the sith tendrils coming off of vader and that them being able to they finally catch the blue butterflies that have been floating around him all this time which obviously basically is just signifying that Vader is now a Sith Lord and he's fully accepted his role in the in the universe and he's fully prepared to be a Sith Lord and have all that, whatever that encompasses, that is him now. They kind of like snuffing out the last final parts of Anakin um, at this point in the story. Um, and then I think the final page is just him sitting in his chair, lightsaber ignited in front of him in the air. And I think he just like cracks the window in front of him with rage, basically. And I think it just, just it beautifully just sums up, perfectly sums up where or how Vader got to be, how we know Vader is in like the original trilogy and like future multimedia and stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely good good point on that last moment. I think it's as you said, such a significant moment. And you know, I think is it I, I love I love the next two volumes of this comic story and I think there's so much more interesting stuff we learn. But this series could have ended right there and it still would have told that, as we said, that sort of origin story of Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith. Um, even though, as I said, the next two volumes, which we'll talk about next week, are phenomenal as well and really interesting stories. I think that final shot, as you were saying, like with him snuffing out the blue butterflies of like the last remnants of goodness inside him is just him saying, nope, like this is me now. Like being sure of himself as a Sith, being sure of himself as like Palpatine's right hand man, this enforcer, being like everyone in the Empire will bow down to me and they will be scared of me. I think it's a really effective way to wrap up this first part of like Vader's origin, essentially. And um, yeah, it's just, I mean, we've been saying it the whole time phenomenal character work by um, Charles Soule and by. Um, Giuseppe Camancioli in terms of the artwork as well like the whole the whole sort of 12 issues that we've just discussed I think do so much interesting stuff and um, 
yeah, I, I can't really give <laughs> this comic series more praise than I already have. It's, you know, we're learning so much about Vader, the Inquisitors, Palpatine, the Empire. Um, I, to be honest, this feels like, you know, when you have Bad Batch in this, like Bad Batch sort of really shows us how like ordinary people are responding to the Empire's change. And then this comic is like, how is Palpatine, Vader, the Inquisitors, everyone on the dark side responding to the Empire's change? And I just, yeah, as I said, can't praise it enough. Really, really beautiful writing. Yeah, I completely agree. The, I mean, these first two issues are fantastic just by themselves. And as you say, like that, the whole series could have ended on that point and it would have been the perfect finale <clears throat> for that. Um, I just think, yeah, if you're, I mean, if you're a Vader fan and you want to know more about like where, where, how he got from Revenge of the Sith to New Hope, um, this is definitely like the perfect comic and or graphic novels to, to go and buy and read because it will give you exactly what you want in the most fantastic storytelling and the most fantastic artwork. And yeah, I mean, I couldn't give it any more praise if I, I, I just end up repeating myself with how good it is because it's just fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, looking back on this volume, I think my favorite issue is probably issue 10 being the issue where the final confrontation with Jagastanu comes to the end and that just awesome moment where he just decides to go against his master's bidding and destroy the the information and then we see Luke at the end. I think that's probably the standout issue of this, but I do think, I know we brushed over it quite quickly um, because we're sort of running low on time, but the, the final issue, issue 12, is another really, really great issue. Um I mean, they're all great issues, but I think it's one that on reflection and actually just on talking about it with you, I was like, damn, that final issue 12 is really, really good, um, particularly those last few pages. So, yeah, if, um, if you haven't read these um, and you've been listening all along, um, you know, even though we've gone through the entire plot, I still would recommend picking it up and reading it for yourself, even though you know what happens, just, you know, experiencing it firsthand and getting to see the artwork is, you know, is something else anyway. So if you haven't already read these, we completely recommend checking them out. Um, I'm sure John gives his stamp of approval and uh, recommendation as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm just looking on Amazon. You can buy the, uh, <laughs> the omnibus for £70 on the 16th of November. Uh, so, and that will be these two issues. And the next two issues we'll talk about, next two volumes we'll talk about on a future podcast. So I would recommend buying them. They are also on Marvel Unlimited if you have that. Go read them, yeah. please, because yeah. it is just like unbelievable uh, how good it is. I cannot give it more stars if I tried. It's fantastic. Yeah, if I tell you what, like, because I've, I've read this, well, I've obviously read the series through once on Unlimited, and now this is the first time I've read them physically, like holding them in my hands, the actual like trade paperbacks. And I feel like I experienced it so much better reading the trade paperbacks because of how big some like the splash pages are. I didn't feel find myself like, because on Unlimited, it sort of scrolls you through panels. Whereas this one, I was like opening the page and I like, really just like, to, I took so much longer reading them than I planned because I was actually just staring at the art and really like taking in all the information. So I do recommend like, I actually think, I know John, you said the ominous is, Omnibus is 70 quid, but I do think you can pick up each of these graphic novels for like a tenner each and there's four of them. So if anyone's wanting to pick them up, here's our recommendation. No one's paying us to say this. <laughs> They're generally just 
really, really great comics and it's good to support comics so it doesn't become a dying medium because it's great. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you, you, as Dad said, you literally can probably get them on Amazon or something for like a tenner. Or uh, you could probably go to like your local comic shop and probably buy them for a tenner in there as well. Like, I doubt that'll yeah, still be support a retail local. price this, this, <laughs> this, like four years on. Yeah, so support your local and go yeah. buy from there if they have it. <clears throat> right, so that's that's a sort of wrapped up part one of um, our secret history of Darth Vader, our reviews of volume one and volume two of Charles Soule's 2017 Darth Vader series. Um I imagine we'll be back next week to, you know, conclude this two-part podcast episode, basically, and talk about volumes three and four. I think volume three is called The Burning Seas, and volume four is called Fortress Vader. Um, So there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens in the next 12 issues. So if you enjoyed this issue, this episode, and you're looking forward to hearing us round off this story of Darth Vader make sure you um, follow subscribe whatever you do on your podcast app so you don't miss next week's episode and then drop us a follow on Instagram at Live from Vader's Castle Twitter at Vader's Castle Pod TikTok at Live from Vader's Castle subscribe to our YouTube channel Live from Vader's Castle and yeah if you enjoyed the episode just uh, leave a review or let us know it's nice hearing feedback and um, if you guys are enjoying the episodes it makes us want to make more so if you have enjoyed it do let us know and uh, we will be back next week with more yeah thank you for listening guys and we'll see you next week bye